You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. about regret is that it's better to regret something you have done than to regret something you haven't done. And by the way, if you see your mom this weekend, would you be sure and tell her, Satan, Satan, Satan. For this episode, we'll be talking about Butthole Surfers, Locust Abortion Technician. On the line, I have Rob. Satan! And Kyle. Satan, Satan! <laughs> Locust Abortion Technician is the third full-length studio album by the American rock band Butthole Surfers, released on March 1987 by Touch & Go Records. The producer was Butthole Surfers, and the genre is noise rock, psychedelic, rock, experimental, and avant-garde. I'm going to read from All Music Review, Steve Huey. The oral equivalent of a nightmarish acid trip, and arguably the band's best album, or worse, depending on your point of view. Locus Abortion Technician tops the psychedelic, artsy, sonic experimentation of Rembrandt Pussy Horse while keeping one foot planted firmly in the gutter. The record veers from heavy Sabbath sludge, even parodying the band on Sweat Loaf, to grungy noise rock, to progressive guitar and tape effects to almost folksy numbers in one big, glorious, schizophrenic mess. Gibby Haynes uh, debuts his Gibbytronic uh, vocal effects unit here as well. All right, what do we think of Butthole Surfers, Locus Abortion Technician? Yeah, this is a great goddamn record. Yeah, this is a really good record. A fucking masterpiece. It's it's a weird one. It's so weird, but at the same time, it's 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 incredible in its weirdness. Bruce, when was the first time you heard this album? Uh, college. I remember mm. I went backwards from was it Electric uh, Larry Land? Larry Land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. they had the single Peppermint. Pepper. Pepper. Oh, right. His dad is the Peppermint. And then I started digging back backwards and, and got to this and it was just, yeah, it still blows my mind. Listening to it this week was a pleasure because I was like, right, I kind of forgot about it. Awesome. Can I be honest with you guys? Sure. We're listening. First listen. Awesome. Right. This week. Did myself a real disservice on this uh this one. How'd it hit you? Like a, a big old hug. <laughs> big old hug from, from all my weirdo friends. Did you microdose while listening to this record? Unintentionally, yes. <laughs> because oh, it no. was it was it was part of the tinnitus like uh mm. treatment that i've been i've been doing oh. been st- stacking niacin with lion's mane and just a little pinch of psilocybin but not enough to feel anything <laughs> um i would absolutely listen to this uh though getting a little fucking more nuts absolutely it's perfect it is just fun listening um and it blows my mind that this is an eight track with two microphones. Yeah. It's just a bunch of crazy stone people like in a apartment or something. <laughs> yeah. like, just getting weird. It's our third record, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
do it ourselves. <laughs> yes, yeah. Rickers. Yeah, because yeah. they they weren't uh, they weren't collecting cans off the street in New York City to afford studio time. Yeah. They had their own. They they could just record in their house now. Yeah, I I thought it was amazing. They rented out a little little studio house, and I think it works so much better than being in the studio because obviously when you're in the studio, it's like all right, time is money. You got to produce. You got to do this. Yep. This yeah. album, you got as much time to eat acid or smoke pot as you want bong rips yeah i mean they would just take breaks and 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 do their own thing and then come back and work on the album it 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 makes so much more sense my first experience uh with butthole surfers was they had a a song that they played in a super nintendo commercial okay uh when super nintendo was trying to like be edgy like sega um they they had a commercial showing like uniracers and some shit and they played like (laughs) who was in my room last night. And I was like, Ooh, like little middle school Kyle. I was like, this kind of sounds like ministry. So, Oh yeah. It's kind of how I like walked into this record. Um, but it was too much for me as a kid. I was like, yeah, I bet. what the fuck is this? <laughs> I put it back. Uh, and I never listened to it until like this past couple weeks. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Just, just took some time. Um, I, I can. I also. I. I. I sorry. I got to throw this in there. No, um, yeah. Wait. The Satan thing. Did anyone else have the spawn the album in 1997? <laughs> no, I did not. It no. was the accompanying soundtrack to the 1997 Spawn film. It features a track by Orbital called Satan with Kirk Hammett playing on guitar, but it extensively just samples Satan, Satan, and it has the whole <laughs> intro. They just cribbed I, the whole intro to this album. I did like, look it up. That. It's wild. That's insane. <laughs> if anybody else listening had Spawn <laughs> flashbacks, yeah, just leave a comment. Leave a comment. <laughs> Send an email. Where do you want me to start with this band? I have so many notes with this Dude, band. Just go, I'm go ready. Bananas. Go, go nuts. Are you going to talk about Kid Rock? Uh, no, Kid Rock. No, get out of here. Uh, so with this album or with any album, they said that they were always trying to make the worst records possible, (laughs) which is kind of true, but also it's too good to be worse. I think they were just being, you know, facetious saying that their stage show at this time included, uh, multiple dresses that they would pull off one by one so that they'd be down to their underwear, uh, by the end. Uh, condoms filled with blood that when they would just tape to their person and they'd fall down and it would look like they were just like super bloody and blood would just be coming out. Uh, symbols that were inverted and they would pour a uh, lighter fluid in and light on fire. And then they would hit the symbols slashing fire up and then uh, ripping apart stuffed animals became a regular thing at their show. And then people started bringing stuffed animals and throwing them on stage and they would uh, rip them up. Also, they were in literally insane they would i think drop acid almost every show they could get their hands on it a lot of bands including like sonic youth uh i'm trying to think who else their replacements replacements yeah the replacements are like we're fucking scared of them yeah those fucking drug addicts <laughs> were like oh no not the butthole surfers no <laughs> yeah they scared the people who were yeah Messed up all the time. On the fringe. On the <laughs> they were, fringe. They were, they were scary to the... Like, they would have probably scared Motley Crue. Like, 
Yeah. I they would have scared the shit out of Motley Crue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because for them, I don't think it was a party thing. I don't think they were like, yeah, chicks, let's get laid. It was like, no. let's see yeah. where this goes. Let's see where this night takes us. and What dark places do we get into? Which is ref- so reflected on this album. I mean, the second yeah. and third song, it's the slowest, sludgiest, grungiest Pittsburgh to Lebanon. Pittsburgh to Lebanon, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It could have been in a Rodriguez movie. Yeah. This this, this feels like the uh, From Dusk Till Dawn soundtrack, like, slowed down. Yeah. Taking Howlin' Wolf and just, like, turn the, the volume or turn the speed just, all the way down. Yeah. It's wild. Sounds fucking awesome, though. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Kuntz, the Kuntz song. Love that Kuntz. Indian song that just becomes yeah. a horror show. It's, 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 it's a great cunt joke. That's all it is. Well, I did. Uh, I did read that the Kuntz, I guess, means to itch or scratch, and so it's it's repeating that that phrase of like scratch, 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 like itch, itch, itch. Yeah, it gets under your skin. It it's fucking. Your- <laughs> it sounds a horror show. <laughs> Listen to it on headphones. I was scared for my life. I really like this 35 second uh, Weber track with the uh, oh yeah, just the two guitars either either ear just yeah. coming together with this beautiful chord. Weber and some of those others, it's it's weird how how they would say they're like pay, playing poorly on on a song like Graveyard, and they're playing poorly in such a way that you know it's. <laughs> they can play just fine. It's the Captain Beefheart effect. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It was like the first time I heard uh, Fucking with the Altimeter by Brainiac. I was like, what is this? This, is, uh, this, this isn't music. What is this? Birch, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't, wasn't Gibby and uh, one of the other dudes, like, weren't they like staying at Timothy Leary's house and kind of like being subjected to, uh, like his like it kind of being guinea pigs for him. Yeah, dangerous dangerousminds.net. Al, Al Jorgensen and Gibby Haynes were Timothy Leary's psychedelic guinea pigs. Um yeah, both uh both he and fucking the dude from ministry were like crashing at Leary's house and like being fed acid. Oh my god. Yeah, that was a uh, to be a fly on the wall. It was uh Jorgensen lived with Leary for two years in the mid nineties, during which both he what? and Gibby Haynes were a tested subject. We're test subjects for Leary's experiments with psychedelics. 90. Please cite your source, sir. Okay. Uh, Dangerous Minds is the article. It might be from Al Jorgensen's uh, autobiography. But yeah. So that checks out later in the 90s because they. I think Dangerous Minds is a. Oh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer saving these kids' movies. Blackboard Jungle. Yes. Gangsta's Paradise. Yeah. Power and the money, money and the power, minute after minute, hour after hour. Uh, so Human Cannonball is widely cited as the most normal, quote unquote, normal song on the album. I think I agree with that. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like, it's good. It seems like some people, some fans are like derisive of it. They think it doesn't fit on here. Like, it's too commercial. I think it works really well, actually, because I need a little bit to bring me back. To- yeah, break, break, breaks up the... Uh- yeah. It's like a peppy suicide song. Yeah. Yeah. It, it got uh mission of Burma vibes off of it. Hardcore. Oh yeah. Cool. For sure. You need the, 
what would you say you need the like normalness <laughs> of it to to accentuate the weird. Yeah, you need something to Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If you don't and it's all baked into this, you know, weird mesh, then it it it's not as a you don't get the juxtaposition. I like this song too. It's a really good song. Me too. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, and for for anybody that that is for whatever reason still listening to us after all these beers, uh, there are 1986, 87 live shows of this band on YouTube, and if you haven't, like, they are well done. The video is good. It's been remastered. It's fucking incredible. Their live set has been this like storied thing like how mm-hmm. fucking crazy and good this band was live and you can literally see it and it's no lie it's fucking bananas After a while, they got kind of sick of touring. They just <laughs> they just cut the back seat out, and three of them laid down with their dog and two in the front, and they just toured the country. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> they realized that they were using more props than actual equipment <laughs> in the in the van. They're like, "All right, we got to cut back on the props. Like, this has gone far, far enough. We're, you know, they're they're doing a big show, and it's all about the show, of course." But it, at one point, they're like, "We we gotta we gotta stop this." They got tired, and so they said, "What are we gonna do? What should we do?" And they said, "We like REM. Let's move to Athens." So they just moved to Athens because REM was in Athens had just come out with a document, <laughs> and they wanted to stock REM. So they started stocking REM. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what did they do? They made a hobby of just like trying to find the members of REM. Plan to leave a van parked in front of Michael Stipe's house with the uh, words, Michael Stipe, despite his hype, I still want to suck your big long pipe painted on the side of the van. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> of course, you they can't do that. Of course, they never met uh, REM because at this time it's like document was huge and they were like a huge band. They were just touring around, you know. So they drive out of Georgia. The van caught fire and died. So they have to stay at a friend's house, home of a friend whose younger sibling was uh, Amy Carter, from the daughter of former president Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. What? So they're having a party at a house where Amy Carter is, uh, you know, staying in the bedroom, and they they realize that is oh, she safe? Jimmy Carter is going to have to come and pick up his daughter at some point. So they were all just like huddled around waiting for Jimmy Carter to show up. Apparently Amy Carter, you know, she's not really engaging with the party or anything. She's just staying back, but she does bring her suitcase out and uh, Gibby comes and rubs his, his genitals on the, uh, <laughs> on God damn it. The, I know. Yeah. All over the, all over the suitcase, all over the handle, like all over it. It's not right. And they, uh, the secret service like surround the house. And so they're freaking out because they're all 
completely stoned on drugs looking out not the butthole surfers and yeah they walk out jimmy carter picks up the suitcase and puts it in the trunk and (laughs) jimmy carter was so close to the butthole surfers that's not even a good story i have like by by proxy jimmy carter is touched gibby hayes dick so that's the weird The weird childness of of the whole surface in this album. Well, we got USSA in our cans right now. Uh, this makes my fucking uh, teeth itch. <laughs> <laughs> this makes my blood boil. God damn it! Like I was listening to this after I had a hard day at work, and I was like, I'm gonna <laughs> bite through my own teeth. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, this is like some some resident shit. It, yeah, absolutely. This is like Ween being mean. Yeah. Uh, did you? I, I was. I looked high and low for any information on what the uh, Gibbytronic setup was, and the only thing I found was a uh, a Reddit, a subreddit like AMA, um, where it was from four years ago, and what they said was uh, Gibby was using a couple of Digitech time machine rack mount delays and a cord uh, chaos pad, but I have no fucking clue what he was doing on this shit. And I don't know how much of the, the vocal treatments on this are manipulations of tape or like or weird delays. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's weird to know how how good it would be, you know, live. But it does sound like a lot of it was performed, you know, just just live in the yeah. studio instead of cut up. Well, I mean, again, the the YouTube stuff, he is using it live in that shit. And it sounds fucking rad. Whatever the hell he's doing, I don't know. What do we got in our, our cans right now? Is this uh, the the Omen? The Omen. It's where Gibby does his best Mel Blanc impression. It's fucking incredible. I, I love it. Sometimes I talk about records that would be good to play at like cookouts. <laughs> Not this one. Unless everybody's know. on acid and it's midnight. I don't. Yeah, it's hard to know when to play this album. Other than if you, I guess it's kind of like the Residents, right? Yeah. yeah. He, he, you play this record with your weirdo friends. Yeah. Along with their, their show, their stage show, they're showing a lot of films at the same time. This was around the time, uh, 1986, I believe, um, a little bit earlier, but they started showing all sorts of weird gross out films, but also like nature films. So it'd be like surgery on one side and nature on the other side. And then fans started sending them films, including penis reconstruction surgery was uh one they said that was very intense to uh to watch a fan sent that to them and it was so bloody and in weird they they just loved it though they they felt they said like it was almost like the 60s art happenings right where they're just trying to get a reaction out of people and a bit of the throbbing gristle thing right yeah, where i was about to say mm-hmm. it sounds more like a 70s throbbing gristle show yeah did you uh, write down the uh, the story of them playing that? Uh, I that sure did. Dutch, that, that show, yeah. It, that that's that's fucking insanity. The Thanks, Pandora's Birch. Box Festival. Yes, thank you. Uh oh my gosh, so much. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Pandora's Box Festival in the Netherlands. Kramer went to fetch Haynes for sound check. Kramer being the the bassist at the time. And on this night, Gibby had eaten an entire handful of four-way acid tablets and drank an entire bottle of Jim Bean. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's just to start the night. It's wild. So at the festival, plenty. Haynes went to see Nick Cave and Bad Seed show because they were there. And he started trying to fight the band, literally get on stage and fight Nick Cave. Oh, my God. He uh, tried to get up there and he kept getting, you know, pushed back by the bouncers. And he was calling them all sorts of uh, crude names. Eventually, uh, Blixa uh, hit it like like kicked him in the balls and then he fell down. To and, and just just to interject on this, he was butt ass naked. Yeah, yeah. The entire Jesus time was he, he was naked. All right, here's here's the the events. Here's how it went. Blixer kicks him in the balls. He pretends to be knocked out. He starts what? yelling obscenities. He jumps up. Then he starts running through naked through the entire complex, down the halls, up the stairs, grabbing beers as he goes, throwing them at concert goers below. He finally gets. Uh, they catch up to him and hold him, and he apologizes. And he's like, I, "I messed up. I, I have a condition." And they finally kind of let him go. He makes a break for the dressing room. <laughs> At the same time, he he goes in there, and they're they're like smashing bottles, guitars, chairs um, with at each other. Leary and uh, Haynes. All of a sudden, someone walks in and is like, hey, can I borrow a guitar real quick? And they're like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, "Uh, I'm Alex Chilton. And then they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Here, take any guitar you would like. (laughs) After that, Haynes uh, chugged in a a bottle of red wine. Uh, Moments into the set, he dived straight into the horrified crowd that parted and he was knocked unconscious. Then he vomited. (laughs) After that, he apparently woke up and started running around and still screaming at the uh, all the security guards there and grabbing beers and throwing them. And the fucking Christ, press what an asshole. loved it. The press loved it. They said it was like the best thing that they had ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and when they came back, they're like, are, are you are you going to fight people again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, I got one more. Uh, after the after that tour, um, they got back to the U.S. Uh, Kramer bassist quit. They hired a new drummer called Cabbage, and that's also when they picked up uh, Kathleen Lynch, who is a, a dancer at the Danceria Club in New York. She was also called Tada the Shit Lady because apparently at her first, uh, you know, dancing gig, she just walked into the uh, Danceria and just pulled her pants down and shit everywhere. All right. Uh, one night in New York, uh, Haynes smashed a beer bottle on a uh, Leary. However, he fell to the floor and it was just a stunt bottle. They had planned it before what? he jumped back up. Then he threw an actual bottle across the room, broke on the exit sign. Haynes set fire to a pile of trash then Lynch jumped on stage, pulls down her pants, and Haynes sticks his thumb in her ass for about 30 minutes, they said. After that, they used their piss wands, which were just, uh, what are they, uh, wiffle ball bats that they full had of full of pee and sprayed the audience, throwing them around. Uh, Haynes then mounted Lynch. I, I guess they were romantically involved. Everyone's on acid at this point. Five songs into the feedback, Leary pokes holes into all the PA speakers, <laughs> and the, they have to fight the management to get paid, obviously. After but that, they did the, get paid. 
Uh, they did, and the management's like, "You'll never, you'll never work in New York again." <laughs> and then the next week, they were at CBGB's getting paid more money. <laughs> the aristocrats, <laughs> yeah, more or less. And their uh, their whole like like ethos, like they they burnt every fucking bridge, like go, playing the shows, and their their entire thought process is what? Well, they won't remember in six months, and for the most part, it worked <laughs> out for them. They would just go back six months later and like fuck shit up again. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, Tada, the shit lady, she would just like when they went on tour, she would just randomly show up at a show and jump in the van. Like, <laughs> th- there was no like consistency with any of it. Can we talk about the last song on this record, which Please. is horrifying? I love, love it. Completely brutal. It's great, but it's like Absolutely. a lot of this album's funny, but a lot of it's just nightmarish, and it just—it's art. Yeah, it's it's provocative. Uh, it's shocking. Yeah, the last song's just like a schwelling sludge fest alongside like a woman describing like a sexual assault. Yeah, it might be my favorite song on the album because it makes me feel so bad. It's it powerful. Me, yeah, it's like devastating. And at the end, when you're already have already kind of gone through the album, it's like, oof, it's like kicking you while you're down. Yeah. It just leaves such a horrible taste in your mouth for the whole yeah. record. It's just, if you're not unsettled, here's a parting gift. Yeah. <laughs> I did appreciate, too, um, it almost sounds like a, a, a bit of a Bex loser, Soy Pendido, mm-hmm. like at mm-hmm. the, the chorus uh, through, the, through the solo there. <clears throat> yeah. So good, though. So that, that tone on the guitar is just brutal. Man, that's hilarious that you brought up the Beck thing because on Graveyard, I have written down next to it, uh, reminds me of like some of his like uh, mm-hmm. his lo-fi shit, like the uh, truck driver and neighbors downstairs uh, say can give me a taco type shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think this, in the grave. this has a lot to do Cave with records. that yeah. early stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's home, home recordings, right? Of someone, of, of, of weirdos just being weird. Some maniac in the middle of the night. <laughs> doing whatever he wants and putting it on tape but boy the results though like like i said i I tried to give this a listen as a teenager and couldn't get into it and now it's like this i bet if i I had seen them as a kid like a kid like as a if i was a teen at this time Mm -hmm. and i saw them live and then i got this record i bet it would have meant a lot more than just grab like Kyle grabbing this record after seeing the Super Nintendo commercial and being like, what? <laughs> I don't like this. That is a really good song, though. I was really into ministry, too. I was just like industrial music. I'm 12. <laughs> I learned about it on Night Flight. What, what was that independent uh, worm saloon was the uh, had the song who was in my room last night? Yeah, that, that song's awesome. It's a bop. Yeah, that album actually. That is that that's up there for the tops for mm-hmm. me. This one and that one. 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I really came around on this record. I, I thought it was incredible. These guys are a bunch of rascals. But um, <laughs> the album's an experience. Um, you know, I put it up there with Suicide. Yeah. I didn't, put it up I there with Ween, I suppose, maybe. Yeah, I hadn't considered the Suicide, but um, definitely. And and alongside uh, Residence, uh, Duck yeah, Stab. Yeah. I mean, the... They're just the next iteration, I feel like, of of residents. Although the residents never went away, um, yeah. it just feels no. like they're more sure. of a of a different generation of uh, residents. Yeah. But it, it's yeah, it, but it's the description that you gave at the very beginning of this. Like this is fucking sludge, you know. Like mm-hmm. th- th- this is this is the birth of like some fucking genre stuff. Like going into the uh, going into the nineties. Like they, oh this, yeah, this, this, this bridged yeah. so many fucking gaps. Like it's insane, taking the psychedelic thing the next step. So like we we've we've already done like the throwback like jingle jangle like guitar stuff, and now we're just like this is the fucking weird ass acid shit. Like just jumping, jumping over like uh, yeah. I mean you know fucking sweat loaf is is the throwback to uh, Sabbath. Like it's yeah, it's it's, it's just jumping that more. Yes. And less than 10 years after this came out, I mean, they had like a huge radio hit. Just surprising everybody. I'm completely blown away. They're... I mean, we got Pepper was huge. Oh, I, I mean, it was a post. Un, it's undeniable. Back loser. Um, but did you guys see that the next hit that they had was like uh, a Kid Rock song? You know, you either die a hero or live long <laughs> enough to see yourself become a villain. They did a song with Kid Rock. Of course they it's kind of good but like they did what i wonder if my family the- considers me the old degenerate <laughs> since as i'm a like ch- a childless weirdo childless a, weirdo we're all childless three, weirdos ch- childless weirdos unite <laughs> form of Penny listens to the butthole surfers <laughs> look at him sitting over there form of basement dwelling podcast <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna jump this yeah i fucking love this record uh i'm super surprised that i hadn't listened to it before and i would recommend it to anybody because i'm a, i'm a nightmare person and everyone should be able to, <laughs> You're be made to feel things um but no like the 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 entry point for this um this would remind me of how much trouble i had with i got worry totally um and how it's just like oh it's weird but now because i'm an an old person who's been listening to that shit forever like it it just sat really nicely like in my cans i it it was not a challenge for me to listen to this it was actually a pleasure um but you know take take that for what it what it's worth i've been listening to weird shit forever yeah but yeah a A plus for me this is an incredible record and it clocks in at less than like 40 minutes so yeah it does not wear out it's welcome easily digestible goddamn husker deuce Yeah, I think that's the that's the real key for this album is is it doesn't it doesn't stray too far in any of these songs. It doesn't feel like it's uh, tiresome. I, I mean, it knows it knows the attention span, and it doesn't try yeah. to. It punishes you with the sonic and oral experience. It doesn't punish you by dragging things out, which I appreciate. That's that's really amazing. Yeah, total positive for me it's it's got yeah so many different ideas that you could it feels like you're skipping through different channels weird 
it's I don't yeah. know, alien channels or something. It's great. Yeah. Thumbs up. Um, check this record out. Maybe not at a picnic. We're eating hot dogs. Or, <laughs> no, or do, that. Family. do that and then record. <laughs> Unless you hate everybody. Yeah. And then make a TikTok video. Don't sneak up to the. Uh, Zoom in on the confused dog. Yeah. Don't, don't sneak up to the. Uh, whatever has the playlist going and put this on at the party. They, they, <laughs> they won't like you. For it. All right. Next time we'll be talking about Astrid, Piazzolla and Gary Burton, the new tango. Thanks, y'all. I'm 20.